Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I'm uh, riding solo, mostly because Frank has to do work today, and then we're going to swap later, and then I'm going to actually do work. But today we have a really cool guest on. Um, as most people know, I've kind of fallen in love with traditional archery and probably talk about it too much. So uh, I got Dave Hewitt on with Compton's Traditional Archery, and I'm looking forward to this, man. Thanks for, for hopping on here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh I'm honored to be on here with you, man. It's, a, it's going to be my pleasure. Well, that's what you're saying in the beginning. We'll see at the end. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, yeah it may be a total train wreck. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but you, you guys have been super gracious and, and uh, you know, kind of open-armed with, with me, which means a lot because not, not everybody is always that way. And what you guys are doing for the – the sport is uh, is obviously a, a great thing, and and it kind of tell people, for those that don't know, because we have a lot of non traditional archers listening in, kind of what Compton's is all about. Well, the I mean, our sole reason for being is to promote and preserve traditional archery, and at the same time, traditional bow hunting, and we accomplish that a lot of different ways. But probably the main thing that we do, uh, we've got a fantastic youth program where we get. Um, you know, recurves and longbows in the hands of kids. Um, you know, if it's a after-school programs, uh, church groups, 4-H groups, conservation clubs, you name it. Um, if they want to start like a youth program that's involved with traditional archery, we can get um, bows, arrows, arm guards, tabs. We can get them turnkey ready. So that's one of the big things we do. Um, we've got an archive system, very similar to like a Pope and Young type system, but all the animals taken are with traditional gear so that's another way we promote it but yeah that's uh our sole reason for being is just to promote this stuff and and get it out there and and just share how much fun it is with other people yeah yeah for sure and you know traditional archery and in general is kind of um you know you know keep in mind i mean for people listening in that, that are new, just because let's say Dave is on here, I, I came from a heavy compound background, and traditional archery can be a hard sell. You know, you're uh, especially if oh, you've been sure. doing the compound thing a while, and so you know you're you're talking about obviously limiting your your distance. Um, you're certainly not going to end up on the cover of too many magazines. Um, it's not promoted like it is in the compound world, like. Um, uh, you know, writing articles or whatever, if that's something you're wanting to get into, it's just not as big of a grasp at this point. Um, no. I know how I try to explain it and how it's changed me and changed, I hate to say make it drastic, changed my life, but I mean, it's definitely made me look at things in a totally different perspective. On On your end of things, did you start with traditional and never left, or did you go from compound back to traditional? And, and I'm assuming, are you around I would imagine you're a little bit older than I am. You're around 50 or so. Yeah, I'm 49, so I'm I'm almost the big five oh and uh, dang. But yeah, I started. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, give it another five years, and I mean, trust me, stuff will really start falling apart. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, I I started um, like most people. I'm mean, when I was a little kid. I had a a little recurve, but you know, in high school. Uh, you know, I was a, a compound hunter, and then when I was out of school, first couple of years, so I I wasn't drawn to the challenge of traditional bow hunting. Um, I got into it out of necessity. I'd broken my compound, and like most young guys, just didn't have the money to replace it or repair it. And it was 
Um, a friend of mine actually had given me a recurve and a bunch of arrows, and I had some success pretty early on. And I was 21 when that happened, and I just kind of got hooked on it then. And I was never a tack driver. You know, when I listen to what you and some other guys can do with their compounds, it just it blows me away um, because I was still probably – you know, a 30 yard whitetail hunter, even with my compound. And so it wasn't a huge transition for me uh, when I got involved with traditional bow hunting. Uh, but I just got hooked on it, you know, all those years ago, that was back in 91 and, um, just, you know, kind of found my niche and felt like that was going to be my thing. So that's how I got involved with it. And, uh, and I've had some pretty good success, you know, as far as whitetails go, um, you know, where I'm at, I'm a Midwestern guy. So that's kind of the only game in town. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to go on some out of state hunts, but you know, not tons and tons of them. Gotcha. What, um, you, you know, when people without going into a long drawn out story of, of, uh, you know, the, you know, compound guys shooting holes in the bottom of their boat and traditional guys, you know, blasting holes in the bottom of theirs, you know, the whole trying to get yeah. along thing. Um, the one thing I noticed when I shot a compound all the time, and maybe it's because I was looking for it, is a lot of traditional archers are extremely accepting once you've made the switch. And I, I, it is probably the most open-armed community I've found once you are deciding to yeah. join the cult, let's say. Uh, but when you're outside of the cult, it is not the most um, open-armed, from what I had seen, uh, community in the world, meaning you get a lot of, you know, a lot of people maybe looking down on you or making comments about training wheels, right. and, and and it happens. Compounds are no saints. Compound shooters, they're just as bad in other ways. Now, what I have found coming from the the compound side is 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 explaining what the traditional bow does for you, meaning. It doesn't do any more for accuracy for the most part. You're going to shoot slower. You're going to have to be yeah, more patient. Sure. Yeah, more patient. And you're probably going to have to uh, accept the fact that a doe is a big victory in the beginning. Um, and maybe in the end, meaning you're not, you know, you may or may not be able to um, be as successful. But after all of that hard work, watching that arrow go through the animal. There is nothing like it, in my opinion, the feeling that you that you feel when I compare it to shooting a compound. Um, how many people are you dealing with now that are starting to change over from compound to traditional? Has the numbers gone up? Is it is it something you're talking with guys about trying to convert them or answering questions? Or has it kind of always been the same for you? No, I don't um, – you know – I've never tried, whether personally or if I'm contacting people on behalf of, you know, Compton traditional bow hunters, I never try to come off as like I'm preaching to them because I, I'm just not the guy to do that. I mean, you know, what am I going to tell, you know, a guy like you or a guy that's had a ton of success with a compound? You know, there's nothing that I'm going to tell them, you know, about hunting or, or anything else. But what I try to share with them is, you know, Hey, look, you know, you've laid a lot of animals down with compound to the point where it's not a matter of if you're going to kill that deer, if you're going to kill that elk or bear, it's just when or which one. So I may talk to him about like the challenge, what's fun about it, 
and that it's a it's a process. You know, you you have a journey that you go on. You may not go out there immediately and have instant success, um, but you can kind of read people. If somebody's ready to make that switch, you know, if they have had a lot of, you know, they've got a lot of animals under their belt as a bow hunter um, to where maybe they just don't feel that, you know, like what you just described, when you watch that arrow go through an animal that you shot with your recurve or longbow, it's a totally different feeling, you know, making that 10 or 15 yard shot or 30 yard shot versus a 40, 50 or 60 yard shot with your compound. Um, So I try to play on that if I'm trying to talk to him about it. Um, I don't actively try to convert anybody. If they're genuinely interested in traditional bow hunting, those are the folks that I want to talk to. Um, You know, if you go out there and try to beat somebody over the head, it's the same way with religion. You know, if I go out there and take a Bible and crack in the back of the head with it, you're probably going to say, hey, man, that's just not the way to do it, in my opinion. You know, I want people to see how much fun that I have and other traditional bow hunters and people in this community have um, and say, come on in, you know, man, the water's fine. Um, the biggest thing that I have found with people making the transition is sometimes they may not be ready to let that deer walk. You know, you can't take that shot. So if you're not at that point where you're okay with not punching a tag, then it might not be the right time to make that switch. But I agree with you 100 percent, Aaron. I I think at times uh, the traditional archery community has shot ourselves in the foot um, and and not done ourselves any favors by, you know, acting like a country club or, you know, this is an exclusive club. Um, You know, we want people, if you're even interested in this, we want people to come on board. That was one of the biggest uh, I'm going to leave the stories out of it because they're not good or and they don't shine a positive light on some of the different traditional archery groups. You, though, and Compton's were open arms and, you know, come like you said, come on in. The water's fine. Um, and it was great where there there was some other um, different organizations and, and people that were not quite as welcoming to a point I uh, – I'm, I'm sure I'll get bashed for being arrogant over this on, on, on a phone conversation. I said, look, I don't know if you guys understand this. I don't need you. You need me and others like me. Um, so I think that you might want to open your arms a little bit more because we're trying to help. Like, we're, you know, like I'm trying to get people into traditional archery. And you look at guys like myself, South Cox is another good example. Compound guy went to traditional. Um and I can name off a ton of other ones. And and my my main goal um, was just to get people to understand why I switched uh, and the feeling I I get out of it. Uh, and it's true, hard to explain in in words. And I, you know, I'm learning every day. Um, and I I definitely feel I'm probably overly blunt, but I I think that you know when you look at a Let's say you've got a compound archer that hasn't been overly successful or hasn't been successful at all, doesn't literally like the gadgets, um, you know, hates the idea of looking through a peep sight. I think you should switch to a traditional bow because, one, 
if you haven't been successful with the compound, it's not going to get any worse, and you're going to have more fun. Yeah, you're not going to know. Yeah, you're not going to know any different. Stump, at that point. stump shooting should become an Olympic sport, and my that is the funnest yeah. thing yeah. in the world. Um, and you can't do that with a compound. You you can't no, go you can't. You know, things like that. That as stupid as that sounds. It, in midday, there is nothing funner, uh, obviously, unless other than sleeping on a backcountry hunt, of just walking around camp, flinging some arrows, practicing. You you can't yeah. you can't do that with a compound. Um, the simplicity of it, you know, the the you know, you don't have all of these different things going on that you do with a compound. And so, if you're a simplistic guy, that's another one. And then, like you brought up. If you have lost the love for the compound, meaning it's just not exciting you, you're not looking at, you know, oh, I can't wait to set up the bow. I can't wait to do this. I think that is a a big sign that you need to look at shooting a traditional archery bow because it it had brought a fire under me uh, and gave me a new love for archery. And I think it would do others, you know, the same. Um, I mean, you kind of feel the same way on that or, or what have you found? Or, or talking oh, to guys. Yeah, for sure. And, well, in the last year, and and I'm sure we could go down the whole social media rabbit hole and podcast stuff and all of that, but over the last year, I've had a lot more communication with guys that are making, you know, that jump from modern gear to traditional. And exactly what you said, it's, it's guys and, and women, too, that are in their – you know, mid to late twenties and their thirties, you know, maybe somebody like Frank's age that's, you know, they've had, you know, some success or moderate success, but they're not excited about it anymore. You know, it's just, they're kind of going through the motions. So that's why I think a lot of people, especially in that demographic are starting to pick up a stick bow. Um, and I've enjoyed talking to them. You know, it's, it's been a blast because now, you know, they're talking about getting excited about a doe at 15 yards, you know, and that, you know, their foot was shaking and, you know, they had that adrenaline dump and everything else and they shot right over it or they shot under it, you know, but they're not all tore up and, and angry about the fact that they missed, you know, they were pumped up about that opportunity. So that is a, a huge segment of the growth that I know for a fact that Compton is seeing as an organization. Um, because since I do our social media accounts and then one of our other members, um, a board member, Kenny Davenport, takes care of uh, the web page. Everybody who joins, like online, I get to see those applications, and it's all these people that have just been, you know, compound hunters coming into it, but they picked up a recurve or a longbow a couple years ago, and they're hearing about the organization and more about traditional bow hunting through, like, what you're doing, you know, other podcasts, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. So, Although a lot of that social media crap just absolutely sucks, and I, I can't stand some of it, there are good aspects to it, too, for sure. I agree with you 100% on there. You definitely have to weed through it to get uh, kind of like a buffet. You know, you you don't like Asian yeah, yeah. food, and you don't like, uh, you know, Mexican food, but you like pizza. Just move your ass through everything real quick. Get over to the exactly. pizza. You know, yeah, and, exactly. You know, Donnie Vincent, who— um, is is pretty pretty well known in the industry. He is looking at right. it cha- making the switch. He's actually flying down a little early. We're going to meet up over at the Clums, do a podcast. And the great thing about Donnie as a storyteller, he will make an epic event out of shooting a doe. I suck at that. Like I'm not. I, I mean, Donnie can 
I mean, he's just a storyteller. He's great. Yeah, his yeah, his production stuff's unreal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm looking forward to you know I I send him photos. He wants to see all the traditional photos, and I talk to him about it. And uh, he's very hyper focused kind of a guy. And so. You know, I think he's smart to come see. Um, well, he, to, obviously, he's coming to see Tom Clum, but see a coach and get um, mm-hmm. kind of started off on the right foot. And I think that'll be a great, whether or not he sticks with it or whatever. You know, he'll be able to tell the story, and whether or not he ends up taking a big, small animal or whatever, he is much better at uh, bridging that kind of social or. I don't say social. He will bridge the gap to a lot of people and make them understand better than I think I by far can of what how it went, what the you know, what the story was like. And, you know, that's huge. And a lot of the things you see um, that tradition, you know, on the social media thing, you'll see a group or you'll see an arrow in the dirt or you'll see one that went through an animal. And that's really good. That's great. But to, to describe it just can't be put into words the amount of effort you put into that, and when you finally make it happen, it's it's indescribable. Um, it is. There's, and it's a huge sense of accomplishment that you know. And it's not that you look for a, a pat on the back or somebody to, you know, blow you up, but but you really do feel like, wow, man, I just did something that I never thought I would do. When you finally, you know. Like you say, tip an animal over, but and I'm going to steal one of your terms, not to pump up your own tires, but I don't think you should sell yourself short, Aaron, with you are reaching people that there is no way that all of us old guys that have ruined Facebook, you know, for younger people are reaching or people that even Compton traditional bow hunters could reach. I mean, you have um, a pretty big footprint in that industry and a solid, you know, group of people that are following you or interested in what you have to say. So you are, you are explaining probably far better than what you think you do, um, why it is that you're drawn to this kind of hunting and, you know, the feeling that it gives you and, and, you know, the excitement you get from it. So, yeah, like I said, not, not to blow you up, but I mean, you do a hell of a job of doing that. Yeah, I, I try, you know, and, and quite honestly, I really am challenge or goal oriented and you can see it actually my daughter's the same way when we do you know I, I whatever when we do backpack cardio if that kid is not challenged she like lays up on me halfway up the mountain she's like ah, whatever but if you put a goal in front of her she she has to have that goal she's very goal oriented I'm the same way yeah. and, and I like to take a beating as, as bad as that sounds so maybe not quite as bad as my mule deer hunt this year, but I like the challenge. And so when I'm explaining to, you know, people or try to get them the point across is it's not just the challenge of the hunt. It's also, you know, the whole story up to it, meaning the, the practice and learning, like I'm really big about whether it's, you know, map and compass, you know, orienteering or photography or traditional archery. I like to try and become a master of the art as much as I'm capable of it and Mm -hmm. with traditional archery it is so freaking cool uh well i make jokes like with the chicken feather thing because i was so green when i first started we're trying to figure out if they were fake or whatever and that is i you know i'm that is how green i was and still am at a lot of things meaning i put feathers on the arrow and i killed stuff but i was i i still am am 
am learning, and that is the funnest part for me, is learning like tuning, learning how to you know f- you know fletching what works, the broadheads, the different brace heights, how how like um, it's the same with a compound, but my, I mean. Uh, and it's much easier to tune a stick bow in some ways and much more difficult in others. But to, to, to you know, hone my accuracy down, learning all of that stuff from guys that have been doing it for years, it's, I'm enamored by it. And I think people that get bored with a compound, it'll be, you'll be green just like I was. And you can start that whole new, you know, chapter in your life again and, and be green at something and relearn it. And it's just been awesome for me. Obviously my brain's wired a little bit different than, than a lot of people's, but I like that. Yeah. And it's, and part of it too, you know, with traditional gear and whether it's shooting or, you know, tuning and, and tweaking on different stuff or different hunting styles or whatever your techniques are, you never, are going to totally master it. I mean, there's always going to be something new to learn. You know, I, I listen to, you know, guys you have on other podcasts and stuff and people that's been doing this a hell of a lot less time than I have. And I learn stuff from those guys, you know, every time I listen or every time I read something, you know, now some of it may be something I'll never use or, or I'm, you know, so set in my ways. I'm just going to be like, no, that's not for me. But, you know, you just never totally master traditional archery or traditional bow hunting, you know? Um, and the minute that you stop picking up, you know, little tips and tactics and and things that you can, you know, put in your quiver, so to speak, then maybe you ought to find something else to do because there's always something to pick up, you know, people, you know, there's a lot of people out there that's been doing this stuff that has, you know, a lot of good information to offer, but there's also a lot of information. You talk about it a lot. And when you do, you know, I'm just sitting there listening, nodding my head in agreement. There's a lot of people out there though too, that are offering some information that probably isn't the best information. Oh yeah. And I've gotten bashed a little bit for that, for, um, you know, being, I don't know, whatever, arrogant or, or overly confident when I'm saying that. And I don't, although I can totally agree that it comes off that way, I'm doing that because I have fallen down that wormhole myself with a compound. Um, I, I was lucky enough on the traditional side I didn't because I had the clums down the road from me. And yeah. and what, the only reason I'm being like a negative Nancy on that is truly like, hey, don't listen to a guy that hasn't killed anything. Okay, like, I mean, maybe he's a great shot and you want to listen to that portion. I agree with that. But what I what I want to make sure is it is hard enough to tip something over with the recurve. So when you're getting advice, don't make it more difficult by listening to somebody that really may not know what they're talking about. Like in the buffet thing, listen to you, me, the clums, cooling, Sturgis, whoever, uh, you know, the, the ninja South Cox. Guys that are yeah. successful year in and year out, you know, kind of pick and choose what you want from them and start building your platform. And I was super lucky having the clums because, you know, they got me started. You know, I probably drove them crazy, but they got me started off on the right foot, and and, it, and that was huge for me. So, well, and that that accelerates that learning curve, you know, for sure. To have a guy like Tom, you know, he's, and he's a great guy, and he's got a heart to teach that stuff too. I mean, you probably, you know, a guy like you or me you know, probably aren't deserving to really be friends of a guy that's that good of a guy. I mean, he is a good, good guy, and he's a better person, you know, the times I've met him. I mean, Tom's a a good dude, but, 
yeah, some of the best advice that I've ever heard um, has came from your podcast. And like you said, basically, if somebody hasn't killed a lot of animals, that's not the person to take hunting advice from. It's just not. Um, you know, on the other hand, if they're out there, you know, shooting dots and bullseyes, you know, on the 3D range and they want to give you some shooting advice, yeah, listen to them. But if they don't know anything about animal behavior and if they haven't got their hands bloodied, you know, more than, you know, once or twice, regardless of what their social media account may look like, that's not the person you want to take advice from, you know, especially about trying to hunt. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, and, and, and I'm lucky enough to where I, you know, I have a pretty – crazy schedule, you know, even compared to the position where you're at, where you get, you know, eight, nine, 10 weeks of, you know, vacation, I've got a pretty unlimited amount of time off. So I'm very blessed with that, which is a, you know, very, a key to success. And then I also have, obviously have an opportunities, you know, for, for hunting. Right. And so I'm able to put a, a decent amount of animals on the ground, and not always, you know, I'm learning every time I do it. It's not like, um, yeah, I didn't pop out of the womb, nor did you or any of these other guys knowing what you're doing. It's a collective of all your screw-ups when you give advice, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and so that's why I'm like, guys, I'm not, not trying to be, uh, you know, arrogant here. I'm just saying I immediately learned really quickly, don't do that. Like, you might be the one in the million that that'll work for, but— but I wouldn't. I would go a different route. And one of the um, a, a a great example. Uh, one of the first things that you know I I learned, and and I, you know, I always I'm, I'm as candid as I can be on this. I watched South Cox video and made fun of him about how much he missed. I just was like, Jesus, man, how much? How how can you miss that many times? And. <laughs> Well, I learned how it's not very easy, right? I mean, I was like, holy yeah. cow, I'm watching his arm collapse and different things. And then, you know, I learned quickly after that of, okay, this is what happens on the practice course. And then here is the reality of what happens on the side of the mountain. And there's it's a big difference. And it had been so long since I felt like with a compound – you know, I'm thinking I'm impervious to some of the different adrenaline issues that you have. And you talk about that adrenaline dump. Most people do not make very conscious decisions when that adrenaline hits you. Um, Mm. You rush things, you speed things up. You know, there's certain parts of your body that people have an issue taking control over. Uh, I am the same way. And trying to master that is part of the fun. Um, there's nothing better than getting typewriter leg for me when an animal comes in because I just don't didn't get it with a compound. Now I've got shit running down both legs. I'm like super yeah. jacked up. What's going to happen? And trying to get a handle on that is is part of the the beauty of it, and also part of why you know, you, you shoot a doe your first year. That is a huge victory. Where social media looks down on that shit, which drives me crazy, but. It's just amazing, and I can't talk enough about it. And I, I, I just, I, I think people, if they put a true commitment in, would definitely fall more for the traditional archery stuff than they think they would, even though they're losing some some accuracy potentially. Yeah, and and you know, it's like I said earlier, you have to be willing to give that up or be okay with maybe not filling a tag. Um, but you know, when you do, you you make that shot. 
you're almost like looking over your shoulder like did you see that you know of course there's nobody there to say it to but you're you know you're secretly or quietly you know having a cheerleading session with yourself because you know you've achieved that goal and like for somebody like you that's goal oriented you're like all right you know i i did that i made that shot you know i picked that hair out behind that deer's shoulder and you watch that arrow blow right through it um you know it's just uh it, it really is hard to put that uh, that feeling into words because as far as I'm concerned, and, and, you know, a lot like you, I've been hunting since I was a kid, um, there's not another feeling, in at least for me, in my hunting life that is the equivalent of shooting an animal with a stick bow. I mean, to me, it, that's just kind of the pinnacle of it. And, you know, and, and I'm... Like I said, 99% of the time, I'm a whitetail guy just due to geography. Um, but I can only imagine, you know, for, you know, guys like you and a lot of other guys I've met through this, you know, where you're going on some of these really cool, you know, backcountry hunts and, and hunting a lot of different species. I can only imagine what that would be like to, you know, lay down, you know, a, a moose or, or, you know, whatever. I mean, that, that would just have to be the coolest ever. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is super cool. And I mean, I, I get people that message me about the whitetail thing. Like, I can't believe you like hunting whitetails. And I'm like, man, if, if I could hunt mule deer every year and I had to choose between elk and whitetail, minus getting whitetail fit and eating too many Twinkies and Ho-Hos because it's not conducive <laughs> to a healthy lifestyle unless you're really disciplined because you, you know, you go back to camp and, you know, not oh, all, yeah. not I mean, some people backpack for whitetails, but in general, the adrenaline I get watching those animals come in, well, I've said it a hundred times already, it, it is not very easy to explain, and it's different in a tree stand. You've got a tactical advantage, um, to be, obviously, because you're up in the air, and you can watch things and see animal behavior that is difficult uh, when you're hunting on the ground unless you're looking behind the glass, and... That Oklahoma trip, um, you know, I, I missed an eight point that 150 inch eight point, big as an eight point is going to get usually. Mm. And, oh yeah, for sure. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, I, again, the animal came out, and you know, I was trying to explain this to a couple of my buddies, and they're like, "Ah, you missed. Don't worry about it." I'm like, "No, you don't understand. This was a solid 158." Well, if they're not yeah. a whitetail hunter, that doesn't compute i mean that's like a 350 five by five elk it just doesn't happen very often i mean you've hunted them way more but a 158 is just to me a, a cool looking animal because of the time length um and i would like to say i walked out of the tree stand saying wow that was just a great adventure yeah that was not what was coming out of my mouth when i walked oh, back to no, the truck no. yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I've had a lot of those where I've kicked myself in the ass, you know, where I've done something stupid. Usually it like with me on those kind of instances, it's my bottom limb, you know, hitting the stand, uh, hit my boot, something like that, where I thought everything was clear. And you just see that arrow like dribble underneath that deer, you know, and then it's like gone, you know, they vanish. But, but yeah, it's uh white tails are cool. I never thought I would get all jacked up about turkeys. I'm not a turkey hunter, um, but I finally decided yeah, if I'm going to hunt these things, I'm hunting them, you know, with a recurve or a longbow. And this last spring, I finally, after six years, killed one with a longbow. 
And, you know, now I'm looking forward to spraying every year. And, uh, you know, turkeys, they're one of those things where it's it's the same way, at least around here. You know, if you want to go out and hunt them with a 12-gauge, it's just a matter of, you know, one is going to be in front of you. You're going to get a turkey every year, but you do it with a stick bow, and, man, they will absolutely humiliate you, you know, so. Yeah, I, I hunted um, turkeys in 16 when I first picked it up, and it was a little bit more of a gimme hunt. There was there was just way more turkeys, and uh, which was cool. I was able to get a turkey, and then in, in, in 18 this year, I actually hunted real live turkeys that you have to call in and weren't yeah. weren't dumb, and got my ass handed to me for four or five days, and then finally on the fifth day or whatever, um, I had the, you know the turkey circled the blind twice, was strutting up um, on my decoys, and and finally uh, was able to shoot one, and with the compound. There is no doubt. I mean, you look at it that way. I would have whacked that turkey at 40 yards, wouldn't have blinked an eye, and missed probably 15 minutes of the coolest action I've ever seen because I just flat out couldn't shoot it at that distance. And yes, the turkey could have run off or whatever, but I've never seen, you know, that that type of, well, I can't say never, sitting in the blind watching that turkey strut back and forth, gobble like crazy. That is where, you know, you kind of have to, to, to look at, okay, what is more important, shooting the turkey at 40, uh, for some people anyway, with a compound, which is still a, a poke, or, yeah. you know, and bringing an animal home, or shooting it, in my case, at seven yards and getting to see 15 minutes of the coolest action that you'll really ever get to see when it comes to turkey behavior. For me... Yeah. If you asked me that question eight years ago, it would have been shoot the turkey at 40. Now, I would not change anything for the world, even if I wouldn't have gotten the turkey, because it is just, it was so cool. And being able to take an animal sub 10 yards is something you should hang your hat on. You know, it's difficult. It doesn't pan out all the time. I mean, most of the time it doesn't pan out, but it's cool. And it. Yeah. Well, when, when I hear, you know, you talk about that story, I think it was. I don't know if it was 16 or whenever, but, you know, you stalking on that mule deer and shooting it at like three to five feet or something like that, you know, where you were right up on it. That's the, uh, that's the cool factor of traditional bow hunting that you don't get with other means. Like I'm not a long distance guy, you know, where I'm at in Indiana, we just went to rifle hunting this last year. It was always shotguns. Um, or straight walled cartridges, you know, like a cowboy cartridge type thing. So those were 100-yard and less guns. So to me, the appeal of long-distance shooting just isn't there. I admire it. You know, I recognize the skill that goes along with it, but that's just not my bag. But if I can kill something at 10 yards or less, then even if I don't drop the string on it, I feel like, you know, that was a victory in my mind, you know, because I've gotten inside that that deer's super comfort zone, and they didn't know I was there, whether I was in a tree stand or on the ground, and I don't care if it was a button buck. You know, that deer had no clue that I was there, and you get to watch that behavior that if you're punching a release at 50 yards, then you didn't get to witness all that, you know, from 50 yards to 10 yards, what that deer or that turkey or, or whatever animal it was you know, what they're doing. So that's, that's a big part of the draw of this stuff for me is, 
Um, I don't think it makes you necessarily a better hunter. It makes you a different hunter. Um, you kind of become more of a student of the animals, you know, because of the equipment that we use. No, I would agree. And, and you, um, you know, my, my hunts, um, are, are generally like I'm probably, we tried to figure it out the other day. It's, it's 60%, you know, OTC public land and the other forties either mm-hmm. private. And obviously some of the hunts you have to have a guide like up in Alberta, you, I, I can't go hunt without one. Yeah. But all of them, you know, none of them are the the hold my hand gimme hunts. And I'm not saying that to give myself more credit. What I'm saying is all of them require what you just talked about where you may not necessarily become a better, you know, quote unquote hunter. You might be a better stalker or whatever, but you have to look at things totally different with the stick which is part of one of the reasons i i like it and i've had a few people message me and say hey we've got it you've got to go slower you know when you have a stick bow in your hand and it's like well look i'm enunciating it clearly because i didn't realize myself how slow i have to now go (laughs) like i yeah it's a different level um that, that, you know, some people may already be super sneaky. I didn't have to worry about that before, so I've really had to change my game. But when you get inside that 20-yard distance, the adrenaline rush you feel and the fact that you close it even farther is something truly, whether it be a fork or a 170-inch mule deer, it's something you can hang your hat on because how many people can say that they did that, even a doe? And that's where the really that, that draw that I tried to explain of, hey, give it a try. You know, you'll be, you'll be surprised at how much you, you may not get on the cover of a magazine. You may not get the accolades of social media, of the, you know, whatever the bullshit that goes on. Yeah. But that doesn't yeah. matter because you did it, and the people who care and the people who know will truly understand what what it what it took to get there. Well, absolutely, and there there really is a a big sense of self satisfaction when you do that, and um, it, and it comes easier for some people. You know, like you just said, you know, people that were already good at stalking and stuff, and and I talk about my son a lot. Um, He's just one of those people that naturally, even when he was a little kid, if we were just squirrel hunting, you know, you never heard him behind you. You didn't hear twigs snapping or leaves shuffling, you know, and he's one of those kind of people where, you know, he can put a sneak on a turkey, um, you know, and, and he's a big, tall, lanky kid. You know, I look like a fire plug and, you know, he's, you know, a rail, but, uh, but some people that just comes naturally for, but when they have that success, they, they should feel good about it, you know, like you said, and it, it's that personal satisfaction. And, yeah, you're probably not going to have your name, you know, paraded out there in lights and be on the cover of a magazine. But if that's what people are kind of into this stuff for, you probably know, really, probably they, the they probably reason. ought to find something else. Yeah, exactly. They need to get into it for something else or find, find something else to get their, you know, pats on their back. Yeah, oh, for for sure, and I th- I think you know as as we're talking about this, which I'm glad it's going the direction it is, because I really want this podcast to for to be a a point for people to hop on and listen to that are thinking about swapping. You know, we talk about it a ton, but I haven't hit one where we we just talk about that. One of the the other um, uh, 
I guess, highlights is I've kind of went through this because in, in 16, I, I shot the stick bow. 17, I went to a compound. In 18, I came back to the stick. The, the simple fact that when you are, um, how would I want to word this to where it makes total sense? Most people that buy a compound go to the shop, they buy a compound, somebody cuts their arrows down at the pro shop. Um, they've got a peep site, they've got a housing, um, they got some pins. Within inside of four hours, you're probably going to be able to hit a paper plate at 40 yards unless you're not, you know, real, you know, you don't have real good hand-eye coordination. And yeah. you're off. Okay. N- there's nothing wrong with that. But with the some of the issues, uh, it's going to get me beat up. I hate to say <laughs> use the millennial generation, but... The United States as a whole wants everything fast. They want it quick. They want an immediate gratification. And some, Absolutely. There's there's something to be said, which I talk about with land nav, about learning how to land, use land nav, using, learning how to use a compass, reading a map, rather than a GPS. Uh, there is a sense of self-fulfillment when you earn something. And if you haven't really had to earn something in your life yet, meaning – you know, earning the skills uh, or paying your way, I think traditional archery is a good way to to dip your foot in that er, earning it sense of of the meaning. Like it is fun. You will get to go. You know, you can. Sh- you know, it's it's a it's a fun sport. And when I say earn it, meaning you don't earn a compound, earn the skills with a compound. They're, e- they're more easily earned, and especially with a rifle, where you're truly earning what you get with, with a stick bow. Um, I don't know. Did I make any sense of that at all? <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. I, yeah, no, and I, I do that too. I'll, I'll ramble at times, and, and but that's absolutely true, at least in my opinion, because, you know, we all learn. I mean, whether it's, you know, you can compare it to athletics, you know, you learn from your failures. You know, if, if you didn't make the team or if you're, you guys lost a game, you learn more from that than you do your successes. Um, and there are, I won't say there's like dues to pay, but it, it just adds to that accomplishment or that sense of self-fulfillment when you know you did earn it. And, and you can do it on a lot of different levels. Like I said, traditional bow hunting is a good way to get into that. You know, Maybe people don't make their own arrows. Maybe you can get into making your own arrows. It may go as far as, you know, you make your own bow or you can progress, you know, some people may say regress, but like maybe you want to get into making a self bow. And if you're goal oriented, that your goal is to take a deer with a self bow that you made, you can kind of make it whatever you want. But there's a lot of layers to traditional bow hunting that you can earn it. And then when, when you have that success, you can honestly feel good about it. Like you said, whether it's a doe or that 150-inch buck, you earned that. You know, you didn't have somebody hold your hand. And, and, and I don't want people to misconstrue that. I think everybody needs a coach or a mentor, somebody they can pick their brain about this stuff. I think that's really, really important because if you just go wading into this stuff by yourself, it sucks. I mean, it can be really, really difficult, and you can have way too many failures where you're just like, F it. You know, I I am not even going to do this, and you can hang it up and walk away. Um, But, yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. Success is all – it's 
dependent upon how much effort you want to put into it. And if you want to put a lot of effort into traditional bow hunting, you'll be successful. You know, it, it's not rocket science, but it's it does take some discipline and some commitment. No, I, I agree. Uh, you know, and, and as everybody gets older, um, well, I'm doing my best at, you know, working on 42 years old, trying to be an adult, and I'm still not doing very good <laughs> at it. But yeah, you're an old, old, old bastard. I, I know. Uh, it's getting bad. But I'm, I'm learning as time has gone on. Tom Clum once told me several years ago or a few years ago, I don't want to hear the story about a guy that shot a deer at 110 yards. I want to hear the story about the guy that shot the deer at 10, not 110. Yeah. And at that time, I'm like, I really don't care, whatever. You know, I, I didn't really think about it. And then, you know, as time has gone on, I've really thought about, and I'm not poo-pooing on guys that shoot stuff farther away. I, I just have found personally as this journey has traveled, there isn't a story really to tell at a 110-yard shot in comparison to 10. And the reason is, is, is and several people told me this, where my hunt stopped with the compound, it has just begun with the stick. And so mm-hmm. that is a big story to tell, closing that distance from 40 to 20, 40 to, to 10, where it's more of a shooting skill thing at longer distance. And I, I'm the first one to admit that because yeah, I was that guy. Um, right. But you start talking about, again, like the earning it and, and learning like – I very rarely ever took boots off. When I say very rarely, I don't know if I ever did with the compound in my hand to stock in my socks. Now I'm in my dang socks all the time because the <laughs> the noise, right? It's just so right. noisy. Um, you know, and then obviously the, the animal behavior thing, watching the tines when you're on a stock, you know, this specific for mule deer, you know, I don't want to see its eyes. You know, if I've seen its eyes, I'm probably screwed. I'm looking and watching the right. top of its rack. All those movements are what I'm paying attention to the top four inches, because if I see anything past that, he's probably seeing me, you know, just different things I didn't have to t- think about when I shot a, um, a compound or, or lengthen my distance out. Um, other things too, watching Primos videos compared to Fred Bear videos. Not that the Primos guys take far shots, but I now have watched the Fred Bear video so many times it's probably worn through right alongside of South Cox's videos in the high country because I just look at things differently and I'm so enamored with guys that can get close. It's just a cooler story to tell. And if that's your thing, man, I'd say dive right into it, sell your compounds and get rid of all that stuff and get a stick bow because that will fill you up, I guess, or fulfill what you're wanting uh, much quicker with a stick than it will with a compound because you're truly going to be going after kind of what's inside you more than what the industry is trying to to promote, which is not that. Yeah, and for sure. And, you know, what I've seen over the years some of the the best hunters that i know um you'll never know their names you know they're not out there you know to promote themselves but these dudes are also like killer woodsmen you know they they happen to hunt you know a a stick bow fits that niche really well but these are the same guys you know that can 
um, you know, find their way out of a hole somewhere. You know, they know how to use a compass. They know how to start a fire. They can sharpen a knife, you know, to the point where it's scary. Um, and, and I think that recurves and longbows, are, it, it's just kind of part of that. Um, and if people kind of have a knack towards that kind of stuff, um, a stick bow fits right in with that. But, you know, like we said earlier, you're probably not going to do yourselves any favor if you're, you know, looking to become, you know, famous or people to know your name. It's probably not going to happen, you know, if you're a big recurve shooter. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we can change that as a, as a whole. Like I, I'm hoping that the, at the risk of being beat up for something else, some of the things social media does drives me crazy. When people apologize for an animal, I want to choke the shit out of them. It's like you killed it. Oh, I agree. I, that, uh, I hate that. Yeah, don't don't shoot the damn thing if you're not happy with it. Oh, and, and I yeah. had a couple chuckle puppets the other day talking crap about going down to and shooting does. Obviously, the biologist for QDMA, you know, they give a, an X amount of number of does. They want to take off the property for for, you know, whatever, larger deer. Uh, I'm not a biologist. I just like shooting and eating deer. So I'm going to, I'll volunteer me. I'll go. But when, when it's become prostitution of animals, I hate to put it that way, but truly Mm -hmm. something's wrong with that. And I think we can change that, you know, slowly, but surely meaning if a guy shoots a doe and a cow every year, I think that good hunter, bad hunter, if that's what makes him happy, that should be promoted. That should be never looked down on. And the social media world is not that way. Now, I am I totally get trophy hunting and I'm not, I, I totally understand where that comes from. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But if a guy backpacks in with a self-made bow and he ends up shooting a spike, to me, that is more important or as important as a 370-inch bull on a landowner tag. You know, like they should not be looked at a whole lot differently when you put everything in context. And, and so the social media world is not that way at all. And I, and I hope that changes no. over time. And, and it, I think it's starting to a little bit. Um, but again, it goes back to that amount of effort you know, that somebody puts in. And I've got some buddies of mine that are, I mean, die hard, at least with whitetails. These guys kill big whitetails every year. They put in the time, the effort, you know, and I admire them for that. I, I'm not that guy. But where I get that same charge out of taking an animal with a stick bow that they do with, you know, hunting big, big whitetails, like exclusively. So, you know, I get that. But I guess in some of the traditional bow hunting circles, there's a little less of that um, shaming of like, well, somebody shot a small buck or, a, you know, a spike elk or whatever. Most people that seem to respond are genuinely happy for your success. But there are always still those guys that have to qualify it with, well, he's not the biggest buck in the woods or it's only a doe. And and I hate that stuff. That absolutely drives me insane when people do that, regardless of what kind of weapon they're using. But especially if they're using a, a recurve or a longbow or a self-bow, man, they ought to celebrate that success that they had, you know, instead of minimizing it, you know. And that, that just aggravates the shit out of me when people do that. No, for sure. And, and I can say as I'm talking about this, I will receive many, many emails from many chuckleheads about this. And 
I welcome those to come in because, you know, just to make sure I'm being very clear, I go on different hunts and, and I think you're saying the same thing. If you have 15 points into your elk tag, you should probably shoot a bigger animal. You have, you're on an area that's less pressured. There's larger animals. I don't, I'm not arguing that. If you've paid for a doll sheep hunt, you should shoot a big doll sheep. What I'm getting at is, is kind of what you're saying is all in, in context, I guess, or all, everything being equal. If you're, if, if you're hunting an over-the-counter tag, if you're reducing your opportunity and chances with the weapon in your hand, everything, you know, kind of goes, you know, hand it, or it should all be looked at with what you're doing and how and everything else. Meaning, I never think you should be bashed for shooting an animal, but I'm going to hold out a little bit more. It may take Lander to beat me in the head to not shoot something when I'm in Alberta because there's yeah. bigger deer there. Right. If I'm on a third choice tag in Colorado, probably not going to hold out a whole lot, because, well, especially it, with a stick yeah, bow, you know? Like, exactly. Last year, and, and I don't know why I waited. Well, I do know why, but I just kept putting off an elk hunt. And last year, a buddy of mine was like, look, man, we are going. And he had been several times. So we went to Colorado, and it was my first time out there on a hunt. And it was over the counter. And I would, any legal animal, I mean, I, I didn't care. I missed a shot on a beautiful bull and you could have looked at it and said, oh yeah, that's a 280 and whatever. But it was a legitimate, not your basic little rag horny type bull. I was shocked to see an animal like that close and that quality. And, you know, I missed it, but it could have been a cow. It could have been a calf. I mean, I whatever legal animal came in, you know, I was going to take it. Um, and I would have been tickled to death to do that. And, uh, and I think some people just get hung up on, um, like you said, depending on where you're at, they're almost thinking about the photographs and how they're going to post that after, you know, it's already broken down and stuff. than they are the actual animal itself or the hunt. They're so worried about how it's going to appear you know, in today's world of social media, but, uh, but no, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I wrote an article, which I've never, I haven't sent into, uh, any magazines cause I don't think it'll get published, but I wrote it calling, uh, it, it's titled what is trophy hunting and a trophy hunting to some, my buddy, Alex Nestor, for example, um, and Drum and Lindsay who are, are, are big time, you know, trophy hunters, meaning not, necessarily horn size but just age right they're, they're going after yeah. the oldest animal that is one form of trophy hunting a hundred percent and i know tons of guys that do it and i i don't say anything negative about it that's what they're about that's what makes them happy rub some funk on it that that's good but trophy hunting to you know joe smith who just picked up a stick bow that may be a doe and if that is that person's trophy at that time he should I don't it it should be looked at maybe not the same way exactly but it should never be looked down upon that was that person's trophy they earned it they worked hard for it um and I'm hoping again that social media maybe changes a bit as that time goes on I don't have any problem with grip and grin photos I don't have any problem with shooting the largest animal known to man you know hunting your ass off to get there but I also 
really like to hear stories of guys backpacking in and shooting a cow. Uh, not a cow moo cow, but a cow elk <laughs> yeah. on their first yeah. hunt. Because those are cool stories because everyone can relate to those. Nobody came out of the womb dropping 400-inch bulls unless you're just, you know, obviously a cake eater and your dad handed you everything. But, I mean, we've all been there. And well, I, it's it, awesome. I, I think what you're, yeah, what you're saying is really important. I, I hope people listen to what Aaron just said because, you know, here's a guy, you know, that, that does have that footprint in the bow hunting world and the outdoor industry. And I think a lot of guys and, and maybe myself included at times, you know, I may feel like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Aaron Snyder, you know, Kafaru cast, you know, here I am in Southeast Indiana, you know, this little whitetail hunting guy. Um, but to hear you say that stuff, I don't think that for the regular average everyday guy out there that they should feel diminished at all. If, their trophy or their hunt is, you know, that whitetail on the back 40, or maybe they get to go to Ontario on a bear hunt, you know, every three or four years, or maybe they get to, you know, a big deal for them is to, uh, you know, go to South Carolina or Texas and chase some hogs or, or whatever their thing is. And I think it says a lot about you for you to, you know, to say what you just did about what everybody's trophy is to them. Because I think there's a lot of guys out there that listen to this stuff, follow along on social media, where they may not think that they're worthy. You know what I mean? If that, that kind of sounds weird, um, but they may compare their doe hunt to a guy that shot a 350 bull elk and feel like, well, I just shot this doe. But I, I think it's really important for people to understand what you just said and coming from a guy like you, that, that carries a lot of weight. Well, and... <sighs> I've never been a very good trophy hunter. I, I'm about the adventure, right? And and it drives – well, I make jokes about it, right? Both Broderick and Lander have to put a shock collar on me. And I've <laughs> heard many people say they don't believe this, but they anybody that's hunted me will tell you I'll shoot a three-point, not blink an eye, and be just happy as I am with a 150 deer. Uh, and now, yeah. within reason, don't – I would have rather shot the 158 than the 125.8. I mean, I'm not stupid. Well, yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. But what, whatever trips my trigger, you will never hear me say, wow, I wish I wouldn't have shot that because I yeah. like to shoot everything. And I eat three to 400 pounds of meat a year. Yeah, I eat it. I like it. So yeah. it's important yeah. to bring it home too. But um, I, I just I, – I hope – that with your help and others' help and, and um, you know, kind of um, swaying maybe the, the, um, the outlook of hunting won't just help, obviously, people moving into traditional archery, but also just help the way people look at hunting in general. Because I understand the, the infighting sometimes or the arguing, I, I get it, um, in the, inside of the hunting community. But we're our own worst enemy. You know, I run into people. I'm in Colorado, very liberal state. Um, and people, we have painted a picture in some ways of we cut the body off, take the rack home, and that's it. Yeah. People look at us that way. Well, we've done that to ourselves in some way to where, and again, I have no issue with trophy hunting, Um and people make jokes about holding up the back straps and everything else. I, I get that. But in the end, um, 
you know, I, I think painting the picture of you're out there, obviously, to have fun, get your family into it, put an animal on the ground, all of those things are important. You know, that's what we want to we want to promote, put our best foot forward. But when you put your best foot forward is I just paid three hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, you know, for this tag and I'm not going home with anything <laughs> under one ninety five. And, oh, I paid seventy thousand dollars for this tag. Not that there's anything wrong with those. Um, and, oh, I'm not going to shoot any. I won't get out of bed for anything less than whatever. Talk about that amongst your friends. That's fine. But when the outside world sees that and hears that, it does kind of give the hunting world a black eye because the animal has sure. now become a prostitute. And, of course, that's yeah, my opinion. It's just a, it's just a, yeah, it's a commodity, you know, at that point. It's just something to be had. Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess, and I, I, I hate the fact, like I said, I'm almost 50 years old and we're talking about social media. It just sounds like something that you know, my daughter would be talking about, but the fact of the matter is it's a reality today. But I do think that some of that is starting to change as far as like the grip and grins and and that kind of stuff. And and I agree with you. I love to see those as much as anybody, but even on our little Instagram account, you know, with the Compton traditional bow hunters, the photographs that are the most compelling ones or that generate the most conversation or activity around them, aren't typically um, pictures of a guy holding up a big buck. It's a landscape picture. It's a storytelling photograph um, that, like you said, kind of paints that entire picture from start to finish of that journey, whether it's something like what you got going on or like some of Chris Perino's pictures. And, you know, that this just those are compelling photographs because it tells that whole story. And it's great to have that photo at the end. Um, so I do think that maybe, at least in the social media world, that some people are starting to say, well, maybe it is, you know, the entire picture instead of just that one snapshot at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I totally agree with that coming for a guy that packs in 20 extra pounds of camera gear to help tell the story. <laughs> um, I, I like taking, you know, photos. So I like people to see the adventures from beginning to end. And, and I mean, truly, I... And, I'm going to caveat this again. I do not have issues with people paying large amounts of money for hunting. Obviously, some of my best friends are some of the more well-known outfitters in the world. Yeah, I don't have an issue with that. Obviously, that is an adventure that you can afford. It is unattainable for a lot of people. I don't have any issue with that. Just don't have – I don't want people to have issue with the guy that shoots a fork at horn. And and I hate the fact that they're like, oh, I know it's not one of these 200-inch bucks, but I – don't apologize for your animal. It's it's an awesome yeah. animal. Be proud of it. And and definitely the story um is just as important, the adventure to get there. And and I, I look at and I bring I brought this up probably too much. The, the the ass whooping I received in the Colorado High Country this year trying to get an animal on the ground, that is an epic, cool story for people to hear because there's so many social media uh I mean Good Lord. I'll get beat up over this one too. There's so many people that are full of shit that they make themselves look perfect. Like went out in the woods and brought home this animal. Okay. Well, what happened in the middle? Did anything happen in yeah, the middle or just that. stroll out the door and put it on the ground? Like I want people to know I receive, I get, I get my ass kicked just like everyone else. You know, it, it happens. Well, and that's kind of the draw, 
um, you know, listening to you and Frank and, and when people get to follow along with that. Um, and I know you do catch a lot of grief, you know, for the fact that you're not politically correct and, and you don't always, you know, you're not afraid to kind of tell it how it is. And, and people may like that or they may dislike it, but, you know, it's appealing to me to talk to somebody that at least you kind of know where they stand you know, what their opinions are on things and, and like that. And not that you're going out of your way to pick fights or anything like that, but, you know, again, in the whole social media and digital world, there are people that look the part that maybe they're not the part. And, you know, there may be a handful of other dudes out there just like you. We'll never know their names. You know, I know some older guys that are just absolute studs when it comes to hunting, you know, You'll never see them on Facebook, Instagram. They're never going to be on a podcast or anything like that. But if you sit down with them over a cup of coffee or have a sandwich with them at lunch, they'll tell you some stories, but you have to ask. They're not going to offer them up. But there's so many posers out there in, in the social media world. Um, it's refreshing to you know hear a guy like you and, and some other guys out there that you know it's just no you know no BS to it. You know it's the real deal. Yeah. Well, and I try, and I don't, I, I mean, honestly, I got to say the, the amount of flack I get is literally minuscule. Uh, in reality, they do stick out more sometimes and we have a ton of positive feedback, but my, my biggest thing that I, I want to people to understand, whether it be the, 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 that I did roll up and just, you know, Alberta first day, first stock, probably won't ever do it again right but i mean it worked out and i shot a giant deer and nothing went perfect i got lost on the way to the deer i you know i'm confused i'm trying to figure out where i am i'm like jesus help ryan can flag me in or i'm gonna have to go back and look at the deer all the things that actually happen to people on real hunts real live you know man stuff that like okay I don't want to admit I'm lost, but Jesus, I'm not sure where the deer is. I mean, it happens to <laughs> yeah. people every year. It happened to me on on that distance over there. And I want to make sure people know that because it makes other people, one, it makes them, they'll relate, right? Like Jesus said, happened to me back yeah, in 2004. I was so screwed up. And, and then number two, that um, in the case of like the Colorado hunt, I, 13 days, I think, the first trip, lost 18 pounds, did not go well, missed three shots I should have hit in a couple I probably shouldn't have taken, and that is life. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm, I want people to know it is not a gimme, and I get my butt kicked just as much as anyone, so they know when they're getting their ass kicked, they're like, well— at least it's relatable, right? Like they're not like exactly, yeah. And and you don't get that a lot on social media. In fact, I mean, I'm I'm in a position to where I actually know the truth about a lot of these things that are posted, and that makes it even worse. I was a lot happier when I was dumb and didn't know, like, <laughs> you know. And and then you find out, and you're like, huh. So I've probably went overboard with it um, to a certain extent of being overly honest, but I I just know there was a lot of things before I got in the industry. Um, that I looked at certain people and certain things and then fast forward, learned that none of those were true. And it was like, geez, man, yeah. I, you like stole part of my life. I looked up to that guy um, of a specific whitetail hunter. Yeah, Levi and I were talking about it. And, and you know, I come to find out he shot them all in high fence. And I'm like... <laughs> Well, shit! I looked. I thought that guy was a whitetail hunting machine. Turns out he was yeah, shooting no, tame whitetail. There's, 
you know, and nowhere near like the level, you know, that that you are and had been. I dipped my toes into that outdoor industry about four or five years ago. Um, you know, I kind of had the wind taken out of my sails. I went to an ATA show and uh, with a group of guys that were trying to solicit sponsors and different things. And I was the token traditional guy in this group of, of bow hunters. And uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of deflated after spending an entire day there and, you know, talking to some people that, you know, I thought that I admired. And, you know, after talking to him for a while, I thought, God, that dude is not anything like what I thought he would be. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, but I, I think it's important though, to have some people that are legitimate, you know, out there, you know, in that industry, um, you know, and like you said, you've got a, a blue collar background, you know, that they, you'll tell people about. So I, I do think it's important for regular everyday men and women that are out here as, as bow hunters or traditional bow hunters or whatever to hear, you know, from guys like you that, you know, they weren't born into it. They didn't have a spoon in their mouth and, you know, they earned it, you know, to where they've gotten to. So, um, I, I think that makes, makes you a lot more relatable. Yeah, no, definitely coming from a construction background. I'm super relatable. Um, <laughs> cause, cause I, my parents yeah. are, were, bro- and, go ahead. Yeah. You know, well, here I am pumping your tires, but you know, it's, uh, but, but it is, that is important for people to hear. And like I said, I, I think that, um, for a lot of listeners and, and people that follow along to know that, you know, you're, you're a regular dude. So, and, and there's a lot of others, you know, I've talked to South, he was a guest speaker a few years ago at the Compton rendezvous and, and, uh, you know, a lot of people that are in this side of it, you know, the traditional side of it, that maybe a little bit, I don't know if you want to call them bigger fish and stuff. A lot of them came from real humble backgrounds, you know? Yeah, de- definitely. And, and, you know, as, as, as time goes on and, and I don't, I'm kind of whatever we're working on over an hour here, but as time goes on, I think that, um, you know, I'm hoping not just the community, you know, maybe changes a little bit, but maybe some of the different tradi- uh I am amazed sometimes at, there's some, some antiquated things going on on the traditional archery side of things that are, um, Mm-hmm. that are kind of hopefully changing too to cater a little bit to the younger crowd. You know, I wanted to touch on that just a hair. And, and I was amazed at how many boyers didn't have websites, um, I, which, I mean, it's been working for them. Who am I to say it's wrong? But, um, you know, kind of as time goes on, as much as begrudgingly as they may come along, that for the newer um, techie age demographic to kind of catch on, kind of in the position you're in, you have to get on social media because that's where they're going. And Dude, there, there is no question. And I kicked and screamed. You know, I, I wound up as Compton's vice president. Um, it got laid in my lap, the Facebook page, which wasn't overly difficult because most of the people that followed along there were either already members or pretty entrenched in the traditional bow hunting circles. So that, that wasn't a big deal. But the craziest thing, like with our Instagram account, um, our membership director, he's like in his mid-60s. He was the one that insisted that we create this Instagram account, and it just wound up falling on me to do that. And, you know, it's it's a learning curve every day trying to manage that. But 
Aaron, I can tell you for a fact, since that's been active August of 2017, I started it right before I left on that elk trip. Um, in November of 2017, we generated our first member based solely off Instagram. And now it's every week as our membership is growing as an organization, um, most of those people that are coming in are under 40 years of age and they're hearing about the Compton traditional bow hunters through podcasts and on Instagram. And there's a place right on the membership form for them to fill that out. And like I said, it's not gangbusters, but the fact that, you know, we finally got on board with it and we were late to the dance. We should have done this two or three years ago. And, you know, we would have way more numbers of these younger people uh, than we do now. But, this trickle is picking up and picking up and it's because we finally got on board with it. And I piss and moan about it every day. I hate it. You know, at times it's a, it's a love hate thing with it, but, mm. but you're right. It's a, it's slowly changing in the traditional community. Um, and we need to welcome in, you know, that generation of people because it's just through attrition. We're going to die off. I mean, we are going to be a remnant population of bow hunters if you don't get those you know people that are in their 20s and 30s now so they're going to be doing this when they're 50 or 60. No no for sure and while we're on this how much just so people know how much does it cost to what are the pricing to join Compton's? It's the annual membership is $35 a year and that gets you four magazines um, that gets you a discounted shooting rate to the rendezvous which we hold that every Father's Day weekend in Berrien Springs, Michigan. It's one of the top two or three largest shoots in the country. Uh, it's a great time. We have vendors, guest speakers, keynote speakers on Friday and Saturday night, all that. Um, so it gets you your basic membership package. Um, right now we've got a membership drive going on. So, And I think actually last year, if I remember right, I think Buddy signed you up, uh, Buddy from Poison Dart. Yeah, he did. Um, had got you your membership. But you can an existing member can sign up a new member for a discounted rate at twenty dollars, and then the new member's name gets put in a, a drawing for a Great Northern Bow and a Great Northern Quiver. So we always have stuff like that going on. But yeah, it's thirty five bucks a year, and you know a lot of people always say, well, what do I get for that? Well, like I said, you get the basic membership stuff that you get from a lot of organizations. Um, but the main thing is all those funds that go into the Compton traditional bow hunters, the majority of those funds go right back out to promote like the youth program. Uh, we've got a really good scholarship program, the archives program, um, to host the rendezvous. Um, we co-host a shoot down in Tennessee, uh, the pre-spring arrow flame. So that's where that money goes. We don't have any paid staff. Um, we're a 501 C three nonprofit. So, uh, Dennis Harper, our president, me as vice president, and everybody else on the board, we're all volunteers. Um, so none of us get paid to do this stuff. And, and that's where the only grief I get from my wife about any of this stuff is Instagram because of the amount of time that, you know, you put into that stupid account. So, but... But yeah, that's how much it costs to become an annual member. Well, for for the people listening in, if I have ever saved you money from uh, gear advice or given you hunting advice or whatever that you feel is a thirty to forty dollar value, do me a favor and hop on and join Compton's. Um, it's a it's a it's great for obviously for me being biased, being in traditional archery, but it's going to a good cause. Uh, so do me that favor if I've saved you 
any money or giving you any good advice, or you're just overly wealthy and need to piss away 30, 40 bucks, join Compton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah we'll, we'll be happy to have it, you know, and uh, it's, uh, but it, it is really cool. And the, the thing that's, that's neat about it is, like I said, our membership director, he, he'll send some, you know, all the new members. I mean, literally a handwritten welcome. Um, it's a, uh, it's a great organization. Um, you know, just like anything else, there's a few people that may be involved that might be a stick in the mud, but, um, you know, we want to share this stuff that we enjoy with other people. And, and the only way to do that is, is to make it, you know, welcoming. And, uh, you know, we want that environment to be that way. And, and, uh, if anybody can make it to the rendezvous in June, you won't regret it. I mean, it is a great, great time. Definitely. I'm going to try and make it, uh, this year. Um, I, uh, just cause I got so many people bugging me to go. So I'm going to try and get out there, you know, this yeah, year. It's, it's, a, it's a good time. I think, um, well, I'm Drew Kohlhofer. I was talking to him last year and, you know, he, I know he was, you know, trying to twist your arm to get you to come. And, uh, yeah, it's a good time. And it's one of those things. If, if somebody's interested in traditional bow hunting, if you can't buy it there from one of the vendors, you, know, you probably don't need it, but you're going to be at Kalamazoo though, right? Yeah, I think I'm, obviously, again, I'm not very good at adulting. I think I'm speaking on uh, Saturday. I'm doing a seminar on um, just backpack hunting, fitness, nutrition, uh, yeah, as it pertains to backcountry hunting. Yeah, so, yeah, that'll be good. I, I guarantee you that'll be well attended. And that's, uh, I mean, those guys put on a great show there. And, of course, obviously it's all traditional, but it's a, a good one to kind of bust up the whole cabin fever in the middle of winter and then, are you going to – will you make it to the ATA show this year? It's a definite maybe. I'm going to try. It depends um, <laughs> on the, the hunt schedule and, and everything else, but I'm planning at this point on attending it. Yeah, that's what – it's. that's actually fairly close to me. It's probably just barely over an hour, so I'm, I'm going to try to hit that this year and, and roam around in there on behalf of Compton and, and, uh, and, and talk to a lot of the – traditional vendors that are in there so yeah i'm, I'm going to try to make that one too oh cool cool well definitely if i end up at the ata i'll get a hold of you and we'll have to link up when we're down there okay yeah sounds cool well man i appreciate you coming on and uh you know can't say enough for what you guys are doing for the traditional archery community and uh and you know definitely anybody listening in hop on the computer as soon as you listen to this and uh, sign up for for compton so thanks again man yeah, Aaron, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, I enjoy it listening to you and Frank. I have a good time listening to your podcast and all the content you put out, so just keep at it, man. I appreciate it, man. We'll take it easy, and definitely we'll have to get you on again at some point. All right. Appreciate it, brother. All right. Take it easy.